This is the Love and Sex Unfiltered Podcast. Hosted by licensed marriage and family therapist and certified Gottman Method couples therapist, Sonia Jensen. Let's dive into the unfiltered side of what it takes to create communication, intimacy, and chemistry, not just in relationships with a partner, but the relationship you have with you. Here's your host, Sonia Jensen. Welcome to another session of the Love and Sex Unfiltered podcast. I'm your host, Sonia Jensen, and it's just going to be me today talking about something that I, I think comes up a lot in my work and something that I had to process through my own personal journey in the area of taking what I learned and was taught about faith and religion and deciding what was true for me and the exploration and and practice of that faith, and then also how it has a deep impact on our sense of self, shame, and especially in the area of sexuality and sexual expression, just to make it a little more personal. And of course, I'm a collector of stories. I think I learn better from listening to somebody's stories. And I always try in these podcasts to show up as my fullest self for you all and not somebody as just the expert on everything. But I think I've shared in other other podcasts that I grew up in a in a very religious home. Whenever the church doors were open, we were there. Even if they weren't open to the public, we were there usually. So it really provided the backbone of my and foundation of my life growing up. I think I can quote scripture in my sleep, which is I think is a wonderful thing. And I think faith has such an important role to play in our lives. In my growing up years and when, when I turned a teenager and I was in youth group and we were taught a lot about abstinence and that's really where the education around sex came from for me was in youth group. I, my parents didn't talk to me much about sex or really relationships. And so I grew up kind of believing that if I had any impulses that were outside of what the church taught me, that I was fundamentally bad, right? And I think all of us play the line in our high school years, if we have, you know, a significant other or a partner at that time of like doing everything but penetration, right? You're all like, if I don't get penetrated, then I didn't have sex. And so we would always like blur, blur the lines on that. But honestly, I had no idea what healthy sexual expression was. I had no idea what a healthy relationship was. The earliest relationships I had were not healthy in any way, shape, or form. There was a lot of, you know, codependence, narcissistic traits. I was constantly told that there was something wrong with me. And I took that and I held that very deeply just from my partners and from the church. And as I grew up, I met my husband when I was 16. You know, that one of the harder parts of my my story, my whole life centered around my youth group, and I went to a Christian high school. And I had a boyfriend that, I mean, off and on, that hot and cold kind of feeling all throughout high school, right? Like, couldn't be together, but didn't want to be apart, and were constantly causing drama. This boyfriend had a friend that was very big into porn. And they believed that they found, during one of our off periods, they believed they found a porn with me in it, right? And here I am, this good little Christian girl that I don't even think I thought I would have sex with the lights off for my whole life. And it got passed around the school. I ended up 
you know, even though you couldn't see the figure very well in this porn, it was of somebody in college, I believe, who was dancing. But it got passed around the school as me, and I got notes calling me a whore and a slut. And I was devastated. I was kicked out of my youth group. I was kicked out of my high school. It was a terrible, terrible experience. But because of that, my parents wouldn't let me go to public school. So I had to be homeschooled uh, in my junior and senior year of high school. So I started working full time at a store called The Buckle. So if you're from the Midwest, you know. But it was on a, a Wednesday morning, I believe. And my husband, who at the time was three years older than me, he was already in the military, he came walking in the door with a friend of his. And we met and he started writing me love letters. And we ended up getting engaged when I turned 17. And we got married when I was 18 and had our son when I was 19, about six weeks away from turning 20. So I grew up really, really fast. My partner, my husband was my first experience with real sex, I would say, like penetration and all that stuff. But I didn't understand how to have a healthy relationship with him. And then all of a sudden, you know, here I am, this new mom. I'm trying to be a good Christian woman. You know, I'm constantly trying to do everything the church is telling me to do and live my life in this way. And I didn't know how to express myself with what I wanted. I didn't know that I could say no if I didn't want to have sex. I didn't even know what I liked and and how to even ask for that. And I felt like my body was just there for like, if he wanted it right now, my husband, I should say is, is a very giving and generous person. So if you're listening to this, babe, I know. But throughout my entire twenties with him, we would have fights all the time because I didn't grow up learning to be touched. I didn't know that you hug each other and you kiss each other and you tell each other you love each other. I just wasn't used to that. My family didn't hug. They didn't kiss. They didn't go show overt signs of affection to each other. And so we spent our entire 20s and early years of our relationship being in the church. And I would teach quite a bit of classes. I would read the Bible from cover to cover every year. It was everything that I was. And and so then when I went to grad school, when my son turned about five, so I was about 24 or 25 at the time I went to grad school, I was very set on that. I wanted, I went to a, a private Christian college. And part of going to graduate school, you have to, for psychology, you have to go and work in the field. You have to do, you know, 250 hours of clinical work when you're in your master's degree program. And then in most states, it's 3,000 hours of clinical work post graduate school for board licensure. I was pulled outside the bubble of ministry and I'm finally starting to meet people that were very different from me and explore the world. And I had to challenge a lot of assumptions that I had made about things, things that I was taught and had learned from the church and my family's background. And I got to meet people that were so amazing and loving. And even as clients, they were so good with teaching me. And I one of the biggest things that I've taken away from my clinical work is you can't hate up close. That's something Brene Brown says. And when you get to know people who are very different from you, you get an opportunity to see them as human beings. So throughout that journey, I knew I wanted to work with couples. I thought I wanted to work with couples in the church. And life just didn't turn out that way for me. And so when I started really working with couples in a secular setting, I started realizing that there were so many people like me 
who wanted to break away from all the things they had known about faith and about sex and about relationships and, and really actually learn what healthy sex was, but didn't know how to. And honestly, at that time, I didn't really know how to teach them, which is why I went on this journey of you know, becoming a Gottman couples therapist. I wanted to have concrete information based in research and science on like what makes a healthy relationship, right? And how do you build it? Uh, how do you maintain it? And I realized sex is a huge part of any romantic relationship. So if I don't know how to have healthy sex with myself, I feel like my body is bad or the impulses of it are wrong or the fantasies that come through my head and I just kind of shit on myself all the time about that. It's going to be really hard for me to open up and be truly vulnerable in myself with another person, which I think is so crucial and important to a long-term relationship. And so I went on the exploration of becoming a certified sex therapist and really exploring the bounds of what I understood and working with people, continuing to work with people that were very different from me. But I know on my Instagram, there's been a lot of you asking, how do you transition from practicing your faith and loving God and loving the religion that you grew up in, but also trying to counterbalance that with who am I as a sexual person? How do I incorporate that into my life in a healthy way? What I like to say a lot is, one, in order to be sexual with another person in a very healthy way, you need to learn how to be sexual with yourself. You need to learn the boundaries of what your body can and can't take. You need to figure out what your body responds to. There is absolutely nothing wrong with having fantasies. And there's a difference between fantasy and desire. You know, it's, it's very interesting if you study across the board, women are more, in general, more sexually fluid than men are uh, throughout their lifespan. Um, but what I, come in, I, what I encounter a lot is women specifically will have same-sex fantasy, and it'll be very hard for them to understand why that is. They don't want to go have sex with a same-sex partner. Some of them do, but the vast majority of them that talk to me, at least, will tell me that they don't want to actually go out and do it, but, they, but it, images pop up into their head or they find that more relatable for them, but then they shame themselves for it. And the more we shame ourselves for something actually and shove it down, I think the bigger it grows. And so fantasy is just something that helps get your mind into the gear of being sexual, where a desire is something you actually want, you want to do. And I know that there's a lot individually to pull out when it comes to shame in that way or repressed sexual feelings. So one, recognizing there's a difference between fantasy and desire. Two, you have to understand that you have to be a big part in exploring your own body. Now, that doesn't mean you have to go right in and masturbate all the time, but you get in touch with feeling what it's like to touch your body, rub lotion on your legs and on your arms and think about how that feels, right? You might need to even explore with some sex toys to see, you know, how your body responds, especially as you have children and as you age, the way your body responds to sex is going to be very different. And women need a lot of foreplay to decrease pain and increase pleasure when it comes to sex. Seeing yourself as deserving of touch and of pleasure and of passion, I think is extremely important. 
What I often find is that couples get married really young. Religious couples get married very young uh, to have sex. And then these both people, both partners in the couple system get older, they get in their 30s and they're like, well, damn it, (laughs) I never got to explore, you know, who I am and what I want. And then they start to, and this is not the reason for all affairs, but then they start to say like, would I have chosen my partner early on in my life if I didn't live in so much shame about sex and about relationships and ex- and self-exploration, right? And so then they start to fantasize about leaving their partner, about having other partners. And, and I think that's a, a normal, natural, all that scary thing and not totally understanding it. But I one thing that I, I can't stress enough is that fantasizing about being with other people or leaving your partner to go have sexual exploration usually is it's representative of you not ever allowing yourself to learn yourself, explore yourself, ask yourself what you want. And so truly, if you're fantasizing about another person or you're deep in an affair with another person, one, relationships that start out as an affair have a a 30% success rate in lasting long-term, 30%. Okay, so that's just one. Two, if you really are unhappy in your relationship, and you are really looking for another relationship, don't start out by finding the other relationship with somebody else. Start out with finding the relationship with yourself so that you can communicate to your partner what you want. And ultimately, it is better to be honest with your partner and do that with the help of a counselor and end the relationship. If once you've gone on your your journey of self-exploration within yourself, that you then are making conscious decisions for yourself. And when you ultimately, if you do leave your relationship, you're in a much better place to begin the dating process. But don't put the cart before the horse on, on that one. You have to think of it as the relationship you have with yourself sets the tone for every other relationship in your life. If you have never been modeled or taught what a healthy relationship is, if you don't know what healthy sex is, I think you have to start with yourself first. And and one of the biggest assignments I give people is like, go to the bookstore and without a preconceived idea, go to the personal growth section and pick out one or two books and start to become a student of yourself. Highlight, underline, journal, ask yourself, what do you think about the things that you are learning? What are the things that you want to try and become that student of yourself? before you become a student of another person. And that's really hard to do if you're in a healthy relationship and you're, you're trying to navigate staying in a healthy relationship while also learning yourself. So allow yourself to be a little messy and also get help along the way. Don't try to navigate it all by yourself. That's what counselors and coaches are here for. We've done a lot of that work and we can connect a lot of dots and use curiosity to help you better understand yourself. I, I think One of the main things to look for in a therapist is somebody who is not judgmental, but asks you really great questions and is helping you get curious about yourself instead of telling you who you should be and what you should and shouldn't do. That's not a healthy therapeutic environment. And then I think, one, you get to decide how your faith shows up in your life. And for me, I feel like now, and I'm not saying this is perfect, and I'm not saying anybody has to agree with me either. I want you to go on your own journey. But for me, I have found that 
church and where I feel most connected to my spiritual self is when I'm I'm sitting in meditation and I'm journaling or when I'm having deep, thoughtful connection with another human being. That's when I feel the spiritual side of myself really coming up. I still practice prayer. I still try to live with the idea and make choices out of love and kindness and openness and respect for other people. And I do believe that it helps my anxiety greatly to believe that there's something bigger out there than me that created all of this and that there's a plan and a purpose for things. But when those of us who have gone through grief and loss, none of it makes sense. You know, you're going to challenge your faith and how you practice it. But I do think faith and how you practice it is an important and crucial part of your life. But I think that gets to be individual to you. Uh, so know you're not alone in this process. There's a lot of people that struggle like this and are continuing to struggle and to believe that messiness is a part of life and life is not meant to be lived in these black and white terms. It's so easy to have somebody stand up on a pulpit and tell you exactly how to live your life. It's so much easier to do that than it is to sit with yourself and really self-evaluate what you've learned and is it true for you now? And what are the values that you want to guide your life? And that it's a perpetual lifelong process, not a black and white, this is how it should be. And if you're not doing it, then you're going to go to hell. So many of us growing up in, in very fundamentalist church uh, churches believe that, you know, you focus more, put more of an emphasis on the afterlife than the present life. And Honestly, none of us really knows what's going to happen in the afterlife. I believe that there's something after this. I'm not sure, but I want to believe it. I have, I have to believe it for my own mental health. But I do believe this is a one precious life that we have and how we use it and how we connect and how we live through our, our values is extremely important. So go on a journey of you. There's no one way to do it. You put one foot in front of the other. You decide day over day, like, who am I and what do I want today? And what are the values I want to live out today? How do I want to show up for myself today? What are ways that I would like to engage in a pleasurable experience today? I don't care if that's, you know, like as soon as you jump in bed, it's Netflix and warm fuzzy socks and some chamomile tea. Maybe that is pleasure for you. I think that sounds lovely. You know, maybe it's finally saying it's okay for me to spend a little money on myself and join a gym that I really want to go to, or I want to cook a really wonderful meal that I've been putting off. Like pleasure comes in all ways, shapes, and form for everybody. But sex, I always say, one is a conversation, but it's a barometer for the rest of your life. How I allow myself to experience life with intentionality, with purpose, with focus, with values ultimately going to show up in how I make love and who I make love to. And so shame is this idea that I am fundamentally bad, right? I, I want this or I think this, I'm bad. And it shuts us down from true connection to ourselves and true connections to others. But I will say one of the biggest emotions that I've had to deal with in my, my journey, and I'm still on that journey, is guilt. Guilt for not going to church every Sunday 
and guilt for wanting more for myself than I was told that as a woman I could have. You know, I still get ostracized from groups of women for being a working successful mother. I I still get ostracized from my family for doing those things. And so I've had to reassign the meaning of guilt to be that I'm moving in the right direction. I'm moving closer to finding myself instead of being what everybody else thinks I should be or put the limitations on myself because somebody told me because you have a vagina, you can't teach men. I think it's extremely important to give yourself grace. And grace is, you know, unmerited favor, right? Like I didn't earn it. I'm going to make a ton of mistakes on this path. And, but I'm going to choose myself and I'm going to keep getting back up again. I'm going to learn from my mistakes. I'm going to learn my emotions. I'm going to learn past toxic cycles of behavior that I learned growing up and decide if those are true for me anymore. I'm going to take what I've grown up learning and knowing and say, does this apply to the person I am and the person that I'm becoming? And all of that can change too. So go on the journey. When you feel the shame, remember to tell yourself, I am not fundamentally bad. I'm just learning. And when you feel guilty, remind yourself the same thing as well. It is not a bad thing to choose myself. And I'm going to make mistakes here. And making mistakes is okay. And learning myself is okay. And communing with yourself through meditation, through journaling, through studying other people's journeys in books, through listening to podcasts. But ultimately, it's your experience. You've got to go out there and live your life. You have to say yes to yourself. Start with the one thing you've been thinking about doing. I don't care if it's horseback riding or cleaning out the bathtub. Like Just start with the one thing in front of you that you've been putting off and wanting to do for yourself. And just go do it. And just listen to your internal dialogue. If there's something you want to go try, go try it. And learn from that. You might fantasize about something being super awesome and then you go do it and you're like, oh my God, I spent all my life fantasizing about this and this wasn't that great. And remember, no person in this world can save you and make your life better. You have to do that for yourself. If you're unhappy in your relationship, I promise you Joe Blow down the street is not going to solve all your problems. You have to learn yourself. You have to get in touch with who you are. And start to love yourself so that you can make healthy choices in relationships in the future. If this was helpful for you, if you feel like you want more on this topic, or you have a journey that you want to share, I want to hear all about it. I want you to connect with me on Instagram at the Sonia Jensen. Like, follow, share this podcast. And know we've got more stuff coming up for you in the future. But I'm so grateful for you spending the time with me to listen to this exploring yourself, letting me be human and share the things that I'm passionate about. I'm truly grateful because it's people like you who are listening to this and taking time out of your day to support me that it helps me live in my passion and in my purpose. So I can't wait to see you next Monday when the next podcast launches and connect with me on Instagram. There you have it. If this episode hit home for you, take a second to share it with a friend, screenshot it and share it on Instagram or leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. 
If you want to learn more tips and stay connected with Sonia, follow her on Instagram at the Sonia Jensen. And if you want to find more information, you can check out her website at www.sonyajensen.com. Until next time, remember, stay real, stay unfiltered, and dig deep.